Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout the Holy Land, Landgrant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Gene Ross, joined, as always, by Josh Dooley. And, Josh, we got a good one for the people this week. You know, Ohio State, Penn State, always a good game between these two teams. And, you know, coming into the season, we figured Ohio State would have a a few marquee matchups earlier in the year. You know, we looked at teams like Notre Dame, Wisconsin as potential, you know, big test for Ohio State. That didn't really turn out to be the case. You know, we thought maybe... Iowa's defense would give them a bit of a struggle. That also wasn't really the case. So this is, at least on paper, kind of the first real big game for Ohio State this year. Obviously, Ohio State-Penn State, always a marquee matchup, even when they're you know not the best team in the world. But you know as you look at this Penn State team, they are pretty good outside of one um, pretty large outlier, which we will get to. But you know coming into this season, um, this is obviously one you circle on the calendar, It's and it, it turns out that this is going to be you know, probably the first big test for Ohio State this year, or at least it, it appears to have to be. I'm with you, and I, I'm irrationally upset about it. I blame all of Ohio State's previous opponents because, you know, we thought they would be battle-tested by now. We, the Notre Dame game was what it was, right? But looking back, maybe not a huge test, and there were a lot of things going on within that game with JSN's injury in week one and the whole nine yards there. But, yeah, we thought... Wisconsin would present a challenge. We thought that Iowa and maybe even Michigan State would present a challenge, and they just didn't. So, yeah, I'm I'm stuck in this place where I think that Ohio State is this absolute world beater, and they've given me no evidence to the contrary. But I'm still just a bit nervous. We talked about it before you and I jumped on the podcast, like. There's something about Penn State that always makes me nervous. I know you have some stats for how close they've kept it, this, that, and the other. And it's just, it's amplified by the fact that Ohio State, we don't think, has really been tested thus far. But on paper, I think Ohio State's the much better team. This will be an intriguing matchup, and it should be a fun one to watch, I think. A lot of a lot of talent on the field, at the very least, which should make for an interesting game. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, we were talking a bit before the podcast about how you know, the Big Ten isn't exactly the world's most impressive conference this year, especially, you know, you're looking at the West Division and the bottom half of the East. Um, just not a, a ton of, of intriguing matchups here against, you know, the teams that aren't the Michigans, Penn States, and even Illinois of the world. You really have what you figure to be Ohio State and Michigan at the top of the conference. And then, you know, Penn State and Illinois somewhere behind them, but probably at least a tier below. And so it, it's been hard to you know, as silly as it sounds now, having played seven games, it's been hard to get a, a real true read on this Ohio State team because, like you said, they haven't really been tested. And maybe that's just because Ohio State is so good that maybe teams that would have potentially given them a test wound up not because of how good Ohio State is playing. But nonetheless, not a lot of the teams they have played this year have have done a lot elsewhere. It's not like they've beaten you know a team like Wisconsin bad and then they've gone on to win a couple of games. You know, Wisconsin doesn't look particularly great. We know Notre Dame hasn't been great. Iowa not great. So. The games are supposed to be big, you know, kind of where we learn things. I don't think we've really learned all that much. And now we come into what is now their eighth game of the year against a team like Penn State. And we still don't really know really a ton about either of these teams just because the, the bottom half of the Big Ten has provided us with no no data points, no no worthy data points, at least through, you know, what is more than almost two thirds of the season now. It's a good point by you. I, I hope that we know exactly what this Ohio State team is and that they are just head and shoulders above the rest. They very well could be, but... I don't think we'll have a great gauge on that until after this game, how they look against Penn State. I, I know that Penn State had a rather embarrassing loss to Michigan, but 
was that an outlier? Was that a bad week? Or is Michigan up there too? And, uh, you know, really sort of pressing Ohio State for uh, Big Ten supremacy. A lot to be sorted out in a short window, short period of time. But it starts on Saturday. The one thing I'm happy about, though, give me a noon game in Happy Valley. Ten times out of ten, I want no part of a whiteout. Even though the results haven't typically been there under James Franklin for Penn State, it's still a scary place to go and play. Uh, great great atmosphere, great crowd, the whole nine yards. So uh, I will take the nooner. That makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. Playing under the lights in Happy Valley is, is definitely no fun on any given year. So Ohio State catching a nooner here, not it being Penn State's whiteout, is certainly um, advantages in their favor. It is still a road game, but you like not having those external factors because that whiteout is such a good um, environment in college football. I'm sure it will still be a very good environment at Penn State. This is still a very big game for them. But nonetheless, you know, you catch a bit of a break there. So let's, let's talk a bit about this year's Penn State team. Um, they sit at 6-1 and one on the year, but that one loss is a big one. Um, a 41-17 beatdown at the hands of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Um, on, on the flip side, you know, they don't really have a ton of big wins. You know, their biggest win of the year was really a 41-12 win over Auburn, and it, it turns out that Tigers team isn't very good. They're just 3-4 and four on the year, so not a ton of, of big data points in the positive for Penn State, but they did bounce back in a big way last week against Minnesota, which was their whiteout game. 45-17 to 17 win in that game. The Gophers were without starting quarterback Tanner Morgan, but I don't know if it really would have mattered all that much because their defense did not play well at all. Uh, big day for Sean Clifford, 23 of 31, 295 yards with four touchdowns and just the one pick. Uh, the ground game was strong as well, but you know not the toughest game in the world against the 4-3 and three Minnesota team, but still uh, a good showing coming off that big Michigan loss. As a whole, uh, Penn State this year has been a pretty balanced unit on, on both sides of the ball. I look at them as sort of a, a jack-of-all-trades, but a master-of-none sort of team. They're they're good on both sides, but they're not particularly elite on either one. Their offense ranks 39th in, F, in the FBS, scoring 33.4 points per game. Their defense ranks 20th, allowing 18.9 points per game. They have a handful of stars on each side of the ball, um, and they're still probably the third best team in the Big Ten, even despite some shortcomings. They did get exposed a bit in some key areas in that Michigan game, but I think all in all, this is still you know, very much a top half team in the Big Ten. They have a ton of talent, like you said, on this roster, and they do do some things that we'll talk about later that could potentially test Ohio State in some areas that they might not have been tested yet this season. Absolutely. I think if you look at the recruiting stars, Penn State might be second in the Big Ten behind only Ohio State. They're definitely right there with Michigan when it comes to just the totality of talent on both sides of the ball. Like you said, uh, a handful of stars or near stars I like their freshman running backs we know about the secondary that we'll get into and I, I think it, a lot of it comes down to Sean Clifford he's now in his fourth year as a starter he's played a bunch of games you kind of know what you're going to get from him but at the end of the day he's tough you know he hangs in there he, he typically keeps his team in games and so that sort of adds to the interest for me. That and the whole James Franklin dynamic. I don't know if you want to do that now, but we talked about James Franklin before. In my opinion, good coach, not great coach. He has faltered in a number of big games, but at the same time, like his team is always ranked at the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, excluding the last couple of seasons, they've finished ranked, played in some bowl games, this, that, and the other. So, they're sort of a thorn in the side, even if the record, again, under Franklin has not been great against Ohio State. The games are typically interesting. We sweat it out a little bit as Ohio State fans and not to give too much away, but I could see that being the same scenario or situation again this weekend. Yeah, for sure. And you kind of nailed it. You know, he's been a, really a thorn in the side for Ohio State since he's been at Penn State. And while they don't usually, you know, emerge victorious, this game usually plays closer um, than, you know, people would expect going into it. He's, he's going into year nine at Penn State now, amassed a 73 and 35 record overall, but he's just had, you know, trouble winning those big games. The, the Ohio States and the, and the Michigans of the world have really given him fits. Um, overall, Ohio State is seven and one against James Franklin, and that could be. 8-0 if not for that blocked field goal back in 2016. That is the only win he has as Penn State's coach over Ohio State. But like we kind of alluded to, he still manages to somehow always keep this game close. They always get up for this Ohio State game. Even on years where Penn State's been down, this game is closer than you'd want it to be. Um, you know, Overall, he only has one losing season at Penn State, and that was during the COVID-shortened 2020 season. So he's done some good things there. But like I said, it's just been really those, those big games. And my really main issue 
with James Franklin, outside of the fact that I don't think he's a particularly good in-game coach, is that he hasn't, you know, despite, you know, Penn State always has talent like we've talked about, and their recruiting has been solid, but I feel like they don't capitalize on in-state recruiting as well as they should. You know, he seems to have sort of hit his ceiling in that area, and he loses a bunch of guys in his own backyard to, you know, the Ohio States and Michigans of the world. You look at guys like... You know, Marvin Harrison Jr., Kyle McCord, these are guys from the Philly area, and they went to Ohio State rather than Penn State. And those are, you know, Kyle McCord probably going to start next year. Marvin Harrison Jr., we see what he is already. Those are two big names that, you know, Penn State would surely love to have on their roster. And, you know, to lose those guys to Ohio State is tough. Gene, you're forgetting the biggest superstar there is. And that is? Julian Fleming's a Pennsylvania guy. Not from the Philly area, but uh, five-star Julian Fleming, the touchdown king. It's another guy. And it's a good point by you, right? Um, James Franklin has typically recruited very, very well, specifically in the last couple of seasons. But the on-field results have not met that. So they've churned out some NFL guys, uh, whiffed on some others. But yeah, I mean, good point. At some point, the rubber sort of needs to meet the road, and I, I think he has a a better reputation. Then, then really meets the eye or, you know, kind of what the on-field results speak to. Because, look, in my opinion, if you are a top-tier coach, whether in the Big Ten or any other conference, you can't go 11-11 and 11 across two seasons like he did in 2020 and 2021. I think that's the number, 11-11. and 11. You just can't do that. Um, and surprisingly enough, he, he did get the contract extension and, there was maybe some flirtatious flirtation with USC or, you know, maybe a couple of other schools that caught me off guard just because of those previous two seasons. But yeah, at the end of the day, you got to be better and you need to beat some of these bigger, tougher opponents as in Michigan and Ohio State. And that's the one area in which he's really been lacking or failed to do so. Yeah, the big games have eluded him. He's just he's he's only three and four in bowl games at Penn State. He's got only the one Big Ten title. They've only won the Big Ten East Division once, and that was in that 2016 season when they upset Ohio State on that blocked kick. Um, but yeah, you figure as if if you're Penn State, you know. You, there, you aren't a school like you know a Maryland or even like an Illinois there that you're you're going into that Ohio State game not expecting to win. Like Penn State should be going into that game expecting to be able to at least challenge Ohio State for a win. And you know while each of the last six meetings between these two schools have been decided by 13 points or less, at a certain point you know you got a close isn't good enough. Like you have to win some of these games. Like I said, if it wasn't for that blocked kick, Ohio State would be eight zero against James Franklin. So. To, to keep it close so often and to not come away victorious in pretty much any of them, um, it, it's got to be frustrating for Penn State fans. And I don't know if this is sort of the ceiling of James Franken or if they, you know, if their fans are happy or if they expect more. But I feel like if you are a school like Penn State, a pretty prestigious football school in the Midwest, I feel like you should want at least a little bit more. I think you should be, you know, challenging for more Big Ten titles than you have been under James Franklin. And I don't know uh, if they're going to do that under his leadership or if he's, you know, got some more in the tank. I'm not entirely sure how they feel about him in uh, at State College. Horseshoes and hand grenades, right? That's the only time close enough counts. And I, I'm with you. They've been on the precipice of being a top five or top 10 team, and they've faltered at some point or another, except for that outlier season. So I'm I'm trying to even think of a comp. And for some reason, Tennessee came to mind. You see what they're doing this year, but they really sort of bottomed out. James Franklin has not let Penn State bottom out when maybe he could have. There was the whole Sandusky issue, and then it turned into Bill O'Brien. He sort of started to turn a corner. And then he left after just a couple of seasons. Penn State could have fallen back to the pack a little bit. So you've got to give him credit there and keeping them relevant and competitive. But, yeah, if I were a fan, being competitive year in, year out, it's just not it's not quite good enough for me for Penn State, a, a team and a program that has such a storied history. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, looking at the team he's put together this year, it should be another team that should have, you know, every chance to at least battle and stay competitive with Ohio State, if not win the game, if things break right. So let's look at what they've got going this year, starting with their offense, as we usually do. Um, I don't think I have to tell you guys much about Sean Clifford at this point. He is now in his fifth season with the program. He started 40 games at Penn State, one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the country. Probably an, an average to slightly above average college quarterback when given time to throw. He's had some shoddy offensive line play, to say the least, in his time at Ohio State. But he's done you know, pretty admirably in, in you know, what, at this time, and, and he's, got, he's a ton of experience. 
He can also make some plays with his legs, as evidenced by his, you know, over a thousand career rushing yards. This season is one of his best statistically over his career. He's completing over 61% of his passes, a little over 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, and just three interceptions. So he's doing a much better job of taking care of the ball. Um, and he's been helped out by some really good skill talent around him. Their run game is significantly significantly improved from a year ago. Uh, five-star freshman Nick Singleton leads the team with 561 yards and seven touchdowns. He's averaging 6.8 yards per carry. Right behind him, Catron Allen, 396 yards and four touchdowns on 5.1 yards per carry. So coming off a season where Penn State didn't have a, a single 100-yard rushing performance, that is certainly a, a huge improvement. Singleton already has more yards this year through seven games than their leading rusher had all of last year. Um, a very potent one-two punch in that running back room much like Ohio State has in theirs. At wide receiver, uh, probably the best. You know, we talked about Michigan State's as the best wide receiver core Ohio State was going to face. This this Penn State team gives them a run for their money with guys like Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, Washington was a guy who played second fiddle to Jahan Dotson last year, but he is now the lead guy. He's got a team high 388 yards on the year. Uh, Tinsley is a transfer from Western Kentucky, a 1,400-yard receiver with the Hilltoppers. He's got 340 yards and is tied for the team lead with four touchdowns. And then also in that receiving core is tight end Brennan Strange, who is another big uh, receiving option for Sean Clifford. He's third on the team, 245 yards, and he's tied with Tinsley with four touchdowns. So a lot of skill talent around Sean Clifford. Um, that offensive line has really been what's plagued Penn State for, for most of the last several years. They seem to always have these five-star running backs and can't do much with them because they can't block. And Sean Clifford is a guy who seems to always be running for his life or on his back. And this year's unit, not elite by any stretch, but certainly improved from the past couple of years, especially in the the pass blocking department. Penn State's only allowed nine sacks on the year, which ties them for 28th in the country. However, the advanced offensive line stats, when you'll dig into the numbers, are still not very good. They're 88th in average line yards, 97th in power success rate, um, 31st in sack rate is certainly good, but the run blocking was a huge issue for, in the loss against Michigan. They had just 35 yards on 12 carries combined for Singleton and Allen, and now they're going up against a great run defense in Ohio State. So a, a pretty balanced unit overall for this offense this year, but could run into some issues if they can't run effectively against the Buckeyes. I am a bit concerned about Ohio State's pass defense in this game. It's been a while since they've really been challenged. I think Washington and Tinsley and even even Strange is a very good combo receiving, probably the best Ohio State has seen. Um, and it's with the most experienced quarterback they've seen by far as well. So interesting to see this offense line up with Ohio State's defense. I am very intrigued to see how that's going to play out. I, I do think that that offensive line could be an issue if Ohio State's defensive line is cooking like it has been the past few times out. But overall, you know, a very balanced unit and one that could give Ohio State some issues. I think that across the board at um, quarterback and skill position, this might be the the best team that Ohio State has faced at each specific position, with the exception of maybe Braylon Allen, the running back at Wisconsin. I think Sean Clifford is just as good, if not better, than Peyton Thorne. I would, uh, you know, they're similar, different styles of play, but similar skill. I would uh, level of skill. The bar, the, the bar of back, quarterbacks Ohio State has faced is not very high. That That is fair. That is absolutely fair. And at running back, uh, I don't think that either one of these guys is at that Braylon Allen level yet, but as a duo, near equal. And I think that Penn State, we thought that Michigan State was going to have the wide receivers to test Ohio State, and that just didn't happen. Penn State has their three, four, five deep with really talented pass, catcher, pass catchers, if you include not only Strange, but Theo Johnson, a couple of tight ends. Theo Johnson's Big basketball player, like 6'6", 250. But I think that the Penn State offense goes as Sean Clifford goes. And he is playing within himself this year. And then when they are taking the ball out of his hands, they're giving it to that talented running back duo, which they haven't had in a minute. The talent has been there, but the production has not. Singleton and Allen are sort of like thunder and lightning. And then they've got that eclectic group of pass catchers improved up front, but I'm with you. I wouldn't call the offensive line for Penn State special. Regardless, it could be a real test for the Buckeyes. Sean Clifford is playing like Sean Clifford. You know, he isn't going to wow you with accuracy, but he's tough. He'll hang in the pocket or run take some chances. And this year he's taking care of the ball with only three interceptions. So I don't think you can underestimate a four-year starter. He looked good against Minnesota. Ohio State, in my opinion, needs to speed him up and force some of the bad decisions we've seen in the past there. At running back, Singleton and Allen are a really effective duo. So 
while I can't sit here and say that Penn State has the best rushing attack in the Big Ten, I do think that they have one of the best running back tandems along with Ohio State and I don't know if you're looking at duos, maybe Michigan, although Donovan Edwards hasn't produced like I thought he would this year. The two guys for Penn State are good. They're both solidly built, solid through the lower body, so they don't go down easy. Singleton, in my opinion, is the bigger home run threat. But Allen has arguably been more consistent over the last month. Um, They've got 960 yards and 11 touchdowns combined. Clifford can tuck and run, too. But the interesting thing about the running backs in the last three games for Penn State, they have nearly identical stat lines. And I'm going to write about this in the player previews. I mean, they're within like three carries of each other, 0.3 yards per carry. Singleton has the touchdown edge, but even in yardage, they're within like 10, 20 yards. It's it's almost crazy how identical they are. They've really formed or into uh, like one back. I, I think they will present a challenge for this Ohio State front, which has good, been good against the run. But, you know, Braylon Allen ended up putting up 100 yards. I think that's all that Penn State needs, something in the 1 to 150 range to at least keep Ohio State honest with the passing game that they've got. And at wide receiver, yeah, Parker Washington – is the top returning guy for Penn State. He had 820 yards and four touchdowns last year. 5'10", 210, built kind of uh, thick and athletic, almost like a running back. Tinsley's a dynamic transfer. You mentioned his stats from Western Kentucky last year. Now he was playing with Bailey Zappi, who's doing some things for the New England Patriots right now and set all sorts of records last year. He had a nice one-handed grab against Minnesota. And then... Don't forget about Keandre Lambert-Smith. You know, he's taken a back seat to others this year, but he had a respectable 520 yards last year as sort of that second, third option. I think that the tight ends definitely pose a unique threat. Ohio State has not played a team with a tight end of this caliber, and even two if you're including Theo Johnson. I know he's only had one big game, but... Body type, skill set wise, like I said, he's that big power forward type. Strange is a dude. You know, he has he's third on the team in yards, but tied for first in touchdown receptions. And then Johnson, I, I don't know that Ohio State really has a guy who can match up with him, but he hasn't been used as often as Brenton Strange has. So just all in all, a very eclectic group. And we've talked about the offensive line. Maybe not top tier, but they're doing enough to keep the ball moving, keep that offense productive and putting up points. So I I said this about Michigan State, and I ended up being wrong, but I think that this could really be the first offense to test Ohio State's defense, especially in the secondary. Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman, a couple of guys, but Michigan State wasn't running the ball well, and they didn't have a tight end threat. Penn State has all of those things, and that's where I think it could get interesting come Saturday. Yeah, that's kind of my big thing going into this game is that, you know, you look at some of the the, the teams that had at least decent offenses going up against Ohio State, pretty much all of them were one-dimensional. One-dimensional. You look at a team like Wisconsin, pretty much can only run the football. You're not afraid of them beating you with the pass. Same thing goes for Notre Dame. And then on the flip side, you know, a team like Michigan State, you're not scared at all of their run game, can kind of sell out to, to stop the pass against them. This is really the first team Ohio State's played where they're they're pretty balanced. They could run the football and they could pass it. And so you kind of have to, like you said, kind of, they kind of keep them honest and you can't really sell out for one or the other. If you kind of sell out to stop the run, they can beat you with the pass. They've got really good receivers. Sean Clifford at least knows what he's doing out there. Um, and then if you sell out to you know stop that pass, they're gonna they're gonna be on the ground. So this is a very interesting matchup for me. I am interested to see what Ohio State does at cornerback. You know, we didn't really learn basically anything last week against Iowa because of what they were putting out there on offense, but. Jordan Hancock is back. Didn't really, you know, get tested last week because they didn't really throw the ball much. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see if, if Cam Brown is back, what Denzel Burke looks like against some some better receivers. So it is certainly an intriguing matchup for Ohio State. And one it's, it's a very different style of offense than they've seen. I think this is the first truly balanced attack they've had. And, yeah, like you said, you know, they have – you throw those tight ends into the mix. This is a pretty dangerous passing offense. And then to, to tie that run game in as well – it's going to be big for Ohio State's front seven. We've had a couple of games here where Ohio State's front seven has looked really good. They had a ton of sacks against Iowa, which, you know, once again, not saying much, but they looked really good against Iowa. They're going to need to get pressure against Sean Clifford. They're going to need to at least, you know, 
contain the run game to to at least make them make them throw the ball a little bit more, kind of like you said, force Sean Clifford into maybe making a mistake or two. But I, I am very interested to see how the front seven plays in this game and and the secondary. Really, the only the only unit I think we're really pretty solidly convinced of is probably the safeties at this point because they've just been so good the entire season. But defensive line has sort of been inconsistent, at least when it comes to sacks. Um, I guess the linebackers have been really good, but like I said, they haven't really played a true balanced offense, so they could kind of shade one way or another. But first true balanced attack Ohio State will see. I'm interested to see what Jim Knowles has drawn up in this one. Gene, I wanted to ask you, if you had to pick one position group, whether it's the running backs or the wide receivers, which one of those is a bigger threat to Ohio State in your mind, running back or wide receiver for Penn State? Or is it or I'll give you a third option. Is it the totality of it all and sort of a death by a thousand cuts sort of thing? Yeah, I think in a way it's a totality, but I am certainly more I'm more I'm a bit more scared of just what these wide receivers could do against Ohio State's corners just because we haven't seen Ohio State's like cornerbacks really have to cover all that much. You know, they've either, you know, like I said, they've either played a run heavy attack or or teams where they could sort of drop a couple extra guys into coverage and have the the safeties playing a bit out there as well. You can't really do that against Penn State. And so I'm interested to see, you know, if we have, you know, Denzel Burke or Jordan Hancock on one on one coverage with Parker Washington, can they get the job done? Is is Mitchell Tinsley going to, you know, like you kind of said, paper cut them to death? Like these guys could all do a little bit of everything, and then you throw in the the pass catching ability of guys like Strange and, and the other tight ends. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they they look to cover that. I'm interested to see if Ohio State looks to go maybe a bit more zone in this game than they have. I know they've mixed up between man and zone a bit this year under Jim Knowles, but I'm very interested to see what they do and if maybe they. We haven't seen Ohio State do a ton of blitzing this year, but maybe they look to do that a bit more against Sean Clifford, get him off balance, you know, kind of force him to throw the ball quicker than he'd like to. Maybe that'll help you in the ground game as well. So I am interested to see if we see, I feel like Ohio State's been pretty vanilla all year on defense, although they've been good. I'm interested to see if we see some some newer coverages and some newer things drawn up for, for Jim Knowles against a, a better offense. Yeah, so you sort of beat me to it. First and foremost, I, I would like to see Ohio State blitz quite a bit during this game. Sean Clifford, for all of the positive things that I've said about him, I think that he can be forced into some poor decisions when hurried, when rushed. So I'd like to see Ohio State try and get after him. And then I'm with you as far as which position group I consider to be the more viable threat. It is the pass catchers. It's the wide receivers and the tight ends because right now I just have more confidence in the front six, the front seven for Ohio State, than I do the secondary. And that includes the safeties. Yes, they have played well, but I don't know that they've been asked to do a ton in the passing game. You know, Tanner McAllister's got three interceptions, had a you know a fantastic play against Toledo, but those are the outliers. We haven't really seen a lot from Ronnie Hickman. We've seen Latham Ransom flash in in certain games, but whether it's four or five, six guys back there, I think they're really going to have to all put it together. And for me, it starts with the cornerbacks. They have not been tested by a quarterback who can throw the ball. That's not fair. I think Peyton Thorne's still a decent quarterback, but they just didn't have anything going in that game. And to your point, Ohio State was able to sit almost exclusively on the pass. If they can limit the effectiveness of Nick Singleton and Trayvon Allen, I think it makes the game a lot easier. But even then, you're asking the secondary to really just stand on its head and play better than it has all season against a talented group of pass catchers. Yeah, I, I think we're going to learn a lot about this Ohio State secondary in this week. So that will be definitely something to watch in this game. Flipping sides of the field here, going to Penn State's defense. Uh, the Manny Diaz-led defense for this Penn State team hasn't been you know, anything particularly special, despite having some big stars on that side of the ball. I would say the secondary is the biggest strength of this unit, which is certainly important if you're going up against a team like Ohio State. Uh, cornerback Joey Porter Jr. and safety Jair Brown are, are one of the best backfield duos in the country. Um, Brown coming off a year in, in 2021 where he tied for the FBS lead with six picks. Currently leads Penn State with 41 total tackles. Already has three interceptions this season. Has three and a half tackles for loss and a forced fumble on the year. Just a truly fantastic player in the back end of that Penn State defense. 
Porter Jr. has a has been credited with a, a pretty insane eleven pass breakups to lead the team thus far. He is a, a six foot two lockdown corner, a very good player in his own right. You know, some other guys back there in that secondary, Kalen King as the opposite corner, also has an impressive eight pass breakups. Uh Zaki Wheatley, another member of that strong secondary, second on the team with a pair of picks. But, you know, even with all of those guys out there, somehow even with that strong secondary, Penn State ranks ninth in the Big Ten in passing yards allowed. So this is a team that's good at forcing some turnovers, but certainly can be beaten with it with a good passing attack, and Ohio State certainly has uh, one of those to its credit. Um, You're looking at the linebackers here. The only returning starter from last year's Penn State linebacker core has been their best in Curtis Jacobs. The redshirt sophomore is second on the team with 36 total tackles, also has three and a half tackles for loss, a sack, and a pick six on the year. Um, But, you know, sort of uncharacteristically for the Nittany Lions this season, not a a ton else going on at the linebacker spot. Um, Freshman Abdul Carter has been really solid, 31 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss this year. They have a a former safety turn linebacker in Jonathan Sutherland, who's been one of their outside linebackers opposite Jacobs. Guys like Tyler Elsden and Kobe King are also names to watch among the room. But outside of Jacobs, nobody has really stood out a ton. And I think that's why, you know, Penn State has struggled a bit against the run this season because the linebacker court just isn't what it usually is for this team. And then up front, uh, five-star freshman defensive end Danny Dennis Sutton leads the way with three sacks. Uh, Adisa Isaac has been productive off the edge as well with five tackles for loss to lead the team. But as a whole, Penn State is sort of just middle of the pack in the Big Ten and the sack department outside of Dennis Sutton and cornerback Johnny Dixon, who is not the Ohio State Johnny Dixon. Uh, the other two players, the only they are the only two players with more than one and a half sacks on the year. Um, in the middle of that defensive line, the six foot four, three hundred twenty three pound PJ Mustafer is your typical run stopper at nose tackle. But as I said before, Penn State has really struggled against the run as a whole. They are tenth in the Big Ten in rushing yards uh, per game allowed. They gave up a pretty insane three hundred thirty nine yards on the ground to Blake Horam and Donovan Jackson in that Michigan loss cannot afford to do the same against Mayan Williams and Trey Henderson in this game. And then just sort of as a whole, you know, Penn State's much better against the pass than the run, which, like I said, is important against Ohio State, but they haven't exactly been elite against against either. Um, they will need guys like Porter Jr., Brown, and, and Dennis Sutton to be on their best to slow down this passing attack. They'll need Porter Jr. and Brown to be locked down in coverage. Dennis Sutton needs to get some pressure on C.J. Stroud. Can't have Ohio State getting into a rhythm running the ball either. Um, to, just to, If Ohio State has a balanced offense in this game, I think things could get ugly. But if they're able to slow down one or the other, I think Penn State could make this really competitive. And, you know, you look at the past couple weeks for C.J. Stroud, um, he's been susceptible to some mistakes. He's thrown at least one pick, or exactly one pick, I should say, in each of the first four Big Ten matchups for Ohio State this season. And now, you know, he's juxtaposed that with, I think, 17 or 18 touchdown passes. So it's not like he's playing bad, but he's, he's been prone to some mistakes. And if you could keep this game close and force a mistake late in this one, get C.J. Stroud to turn it over, um, this could certainly be a closer game than, than expected. And that's kind of been the M.O. for Penn State, as we said, in these games. They've, they've forced some mistakes by Ohio State. They've kept the game close. And I think that, you know, this defense defense is certainly built to do it if their guys are playing at their best on Saturday. Yeah, we cannot have turnovers. Ohio State cannot have turnovers this weekend. But just like this is a, a true test for Ohio State's offense, I think it's fair to point out that this is really the second test for Penn State's defense. And they failed miserably against Michigan, you know, allowed 41 points, infinity yards rushing. So The stats are a little bit misleading. You know, they're giving up less than 20 points per game, but they have not played, gosh, really any. They gave up 31 points to Purdue. So you look at the top two opponents offensively that Penn State has challenged. They gave up 31 and 41. And then, yeah, Minnesota wasn't really doing much without their quarterback. They're limited to a run game. Northwestern's offense is dreadful. Same thing goes for Central Michigan, Auburn, and Ohio. So, um there are there can be holes poked in it. I think that's fair to say. When you're looking at this defense, we know about Jair Brown, Joey Porter, and Curtis Jacobs even, but Penn State is really getting it done with a bunch of guys. 18 players on defense have at least 10 tackles for the Nittany Lions. 11 have at least half a sack, although nobody really jumping off the page there. And I counted 17 players who have combined for over 50 pass breakups. I'd double check the math on that. That seems like an insane number, over 50 pass breakups on the season. That being said, though, Aiden O'Connell threw for 365. Michigan, like we both talked about, ran for a bunch. So we've seen dents in the armor up front. I like PJ Mustafer. He was banged up last year, seems to be back at 100% this year. 325 pounder, great against the run, eats up a lot of space. The rest of the defensive line gets it done by committee. 
But Danny Dennis Sutton is a guy I'll have my eye on. He's a true freshman. He was a five-star recruit in the 2022 class, and he has three sacks. But a lot of guys similar to Iowa, you've got four, five, six guys who can contribute up front. At linebacker, Curtis Jacobs is a good player. He had a pick six against Michigan and 14 tackles against Minnesota, but only 36 tackles on the year. So you're talking about five, six per game, nothing to write home about. Abdul Carter certainly seems talented. Maybe he's the next in line of those really great, uh, tremendous standout Penn State linebackers that we've seen. They lost a bunch last year, not just at linebacker, but also uh, they had Brisker, the safety, and I think another guy. So they're being tasked with replacing a lot of players. They've also got Tyler Elston there. The linebackers are ranked two, three, and four on the team in tackles. So they're doing what they're asked to do. They're cleaning up enough plays to sort of limit what the opponent can do. But yeah, I I think it comes down to the secondary, a very talented secondary, but you mentioned where they stand in the big 10. I wrote down that they're 79th in the nation in passing yards allowed per game. So sort of odd when you think about the guys they have back there and I don't know what the official depth chart looks like at this point because like a dozen DBs play, but they're led by Porter Jr. and Brown. I think Porter Jr. will probably see a lot of Marvin Harrison Jr. in this game due to his size, 6'2", 6'3". You brought up the 11 pass breakups. Oddly enough, only one interception during his college career, but you know, interceptions like quarterback wins in the NFL, they don't always mean a whole lot. And Brown does lead the team in tackles and interceptions. On top of that, you've got Kalen King with the the eight pass breakups, Wheatley with two picks. The list could go on and on with these guys. They're impressive, active safety stand out to me too. So similar to what we've said really about the whole team, a lot of guys on the field, a lot of talent, and they can plug and play with those 18 players who have totaled at least 18 ta- or 10 tackles. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be a different test, I think, for them because Purdue was all about the pass. Michigan was all about the run. Ohio State can do both of those things very well. So it's strength on strength, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you're looking at when, when these two units are on the field, you know, Penn State's defense versus Ohio State's offense. On the flip side of these things, looking at the Buckeyes, they're certainly going to need to run the ball a lot better than they did against Iowa. You know, those those 66 rushing guards against Iowa were not good. And, you know, we kind of talked about that in our in our recap of that game, you know, some play calling issues there. And some, you know, some lack of maybe a little bit of lack of of what we've seen so far from the offensive line, maybe a a step back from what they've been all year. So those guys will definitely need to be better in this game. Like I said, Penn State isn't the the greatest, you know, sack team in the world. So I don't know if, uh, you know, C.J. Stroud is going to be under a ton of pressure in this game, but they do need to do a better job in the run blocking department. I don't think Ohio State can afford to get one dimensional in this game, especially with the passing I'm interested to see what the the status of Jackson Smith and Jigba will be, and or even if he will, you know, attempt to get it going. We talked about that too in our in our Iowa in our Iowa recap, and also a bit in your nuts this week of just how Ohio State's going to work him back into the offense and how much so we see that the rest of the year. So I think those are two big things to look for on the Ohio State side of things coming into this game is just what can they do on the ground? Can Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson kind of bounce back from poor performances against Iowa? And then just who does Ohio State have on the field? Does Jack Smith and Jigba come back this week against you know a, a tougher team? Or do they let him sit out again, maybe let him get healthy, don't risk kind of having to force his way into the lineup and kind of make make your change your offense around against a team that you can't really afford to be trying things out? Or do they kind of hold him out to the week after? So those are kind of the two things on the Ohio State side of things that I'm looking for going into this game, especially going up against this this specific Penn State defense. You kind of led me into this, so I wanna I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit. If you were Ryan Day and Ohio State staff and their offense, what do you target on the other side of the ball? Because the way I look at it, Penn State's strength on defense is that secondary. And I think you could argue that Ohio State's strength on offense is their collection of wide receivers and C.J. Stroud. But do you think that they dial it back a little bit and try to lean on the two running backs they have? Or kind of what's your feel there for – how this game is called and what they go after as far as Ohio State's offense. 
I mean, based on what we saw in that Penn State game against Michigan, you have to try to get the ground game going in this. If you can, you know, get yards with ease on the ground, it's going to open up the passing game even more than it usually is. And that's just going to be, you know, it'll be lights out for Ohio State's offense from the rest of the way. So if Ohio State's coming out of here averaging, you know, five, six yards per carry on the ground, then I don't think Penn State's going to really be do much, be able to do much of anything on defense. If you come out and you kind of struggle to run the football or you sort of lean too heavy on the pass, maybe you throw a pick or maybe it's just the offense isn't clicking like kind of it did in the in the first half against Iowa, then I think you could run into some issues. So I definitely think you should, you know, Ryan Day should be looking to pound the rock early in this one, kind of get uh, Mayan Williams and Trayvon Henderson back on track. We've seen them, you know, both sort of take over games in their own respect. You know, that that fourth quarter against Notre Dame comes to mind where they were able to run the football with ease, kind of impose their will. If they could do something like that early against Penn State, it might take them out of the game right away. And that's kind of something that Ohio State hasn't been able to do against Penn State. They have been able to put them away early. But if you're able to, you know, have both parts of the offense working, the run kind of setting up the pass, then I think you could you could kind of get them out of their rhythm early. And then I think you could put up some points. So, if I was Ryan Day, I would certainly be looking to um, stack up in the run game as early as you can, and then hopefully that makes life easier for C.J. Stroud and those receivers, even though I don't think they really need their lives made easier. They're all pretty good in their own regards. I think having a strong ground game in this one would definitely be beneficial, especially because, like we said, you know they let up well over 300 yards rushing to Michigan. So it seems like you could run the ball against them. If Ohio State can't, then there are certainly some concerns there, but I think that's going to be the way to go. That's how I would approach this coming into the game. So how does 200 and 200 sound to you? If I can tell you right now that Ohio State rushes for 200 yards, but C.J. Stroud only throws for 200, 225 yards, do you think that that would eventually lead to success and points for Ohio State? Yeah, I, I think for sure, especially if, you know, if Ohio State's defense is playing up to the level we think it can, then maybe Ohio State's starting on, a, you know, a couple of shorter fields. Maybe they force a turnover. Maybe they get a score there. Um, so I, I think that 200-200 would certainly be pretty ideal for this Ohio State team. I mean, you look at their their totals last week against one of the best defenses in the country in Iowa, 360 total yards, 294 of that was passing, and then 66 on the ground. So. I think 200-200 would be more than serviceable. You know, that would probably be a couple of touchdowns there for for mine and Trey. So I think Ohio State would certainly be happy with that. And if that if 200-200 isn't enough to win, then they probably have a lot of issues on defense in this one that we didn't see coming. Um, but I, I think some kind of balance like that, maybe 250 and 150, something like that, um, would be ideal for Ohio State to put up points in this game. I'm with you. And I was sort of leading you into the answers I was looking for and the, the opinion that I share I could see this being a kind of a a lesser CJ Stroud game, but that doesn't mean that I think he'll be ineffective or that he, you know, can't put up three, four or five touchdowns, something like that. I just think that because of what we saw when Penn state played Michigan, they do have to lean on that run game. And I've got confidence in it too. You know, they didn't look great against Iowa, but I always got a great front seven. You know, they don't have nearly the, well, no, they probably do have the same sort of secondary that Penn State has. They're really talented back there, but they're really good up front. And they, they showed that on Saturday against Ohio State. But it's not like I don't think the Buckeyes can run. I think that they can. I think that they've got two really solid running backs who can do different things. It might be a Mayan Williams game where they just punish the heck out of the Nittany Lions, but. I, I do think that 200 is a magic number or somewhere around there for me in the rushing game. And if that only means that C.J. Stroud comes in around 2, 225, 250, uh, that's fine with me. You got to do what it takes to get the victory and get it done. And so I think they have to be open to that and possibly leaning on the run game a little bit more in this one. Yeah, I mean, statistically, you know, uh, uh, Penn State's defense is not close to what Iowa's defense was able to do, you know, at least through the course of this season. You know, uh, Penn State has maybe some higher-end individual players, but as a unit, that that Iowa defense, Ohio State isn't going to play a tougher defense than that all season. That was, you know, coming into that game, the number three or number two defense in the country. So while Penn State has some really good guys on that side of the ball, Ohio State was able to put up 54 points in that game. So the offense, you know, shouldn't have, you know, in theory, they shouldn't have as as big a problem against this Penn State team. For me, this game really comes down to Penn State's offensive line versus Ohio State's defensive line. I think if if Clifford's able to 
you know, if Clifford has time to throw in this game, he might be able to do some things with all the receivers he has at his disposal. Um, but if he doesn't have a lot of time or if Penn State can't run the ball and that offense becomes one-dimensional, then I think they start to run into some problems. I think if, if Ohio State's defensive line looks like it did against Iowa, and I'm not saying they need to go out and get you know six sacks, cause four fumbles, whatever they did last week, but if they're just you know forcing Clifford off his spots, maybe getting him to scramble a little bit more, um, forcing him into some bad throws and just not letting Penn State run its offense as well as it would like to, then I think that that changes the game entirely. I think if we get some, you know, big performances from guys like JT Tunaloal, Zach Harrison, you know, Jack Sawyer, maybe we see this a big, you know, Jack Sawyer's coming out party, much like, you know, the, you know, Boses uh, have done in the past and Chase Young. Um, that would be nice to see. So I think Ohio State's defensive line versus Penn State's offensive line is kind of the the key matchup in this game for me and one that I think could determine the outcome of the game at the end. I really like that approach, actually. I think that make Sean Clifford beat you because he hasn't shown that he can do it against Ohio State and he couldn't do it against Michigan. Um, if you could just give me the Michigan outcome for Ohio State, 41-17 right now, I would take it and I don't care. I wouldn't care what the stats were. But yeah, I think that Sean Clifford is a, a solid quarterback, in my opinion, but he he's not elite, and I don't think that he can beat a top-tier Big Ten opponent by himself. So if they can limit the effectiveness of those running backs, get him off his spot, blitz him a little bit, he has shown in the past that he is turnover-prone on occasion. Um, so if Ohio State can do that and make life uncomfortable for him, it should in theory, benefit Ohio State's corners, make it a little bit easier for them to play pass defense, involve the safeties a little bit, and then maybe even let your linebackers freelance a little bit to cover Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson. I think those guys could play a role, and that's not something we've seen. Uh, We've actually seen Ohio State's linebackers in the past struggle. These two linebackers struggle in pass coverage, but that was more so last year when they – were both really new and just kind of didn't know their head from a hole in the ground. I think they've grown since then, but they could be tested as much as we like Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. And as well as they've played, this could be a, a different ball game for them if they're tasked with guarding those tight ends and maybe keeping an eye on a wide receiver. So I think a lot will be asked of them. But at this point, I'm confident in their ability to handle more of a workload or handle more. So I feel good about where they're at, but it could really be a test for a bunch of different players on this Ohio State defense. I do agree with you, though. In the trenches is where it's going to make a big difference. If Ohio State can't get pressure, then I think Penn State could definitely put up some points. But if they do like they did against Iowa, I'm not saying Sean Clifford is going to look like Spencer Petrus or Alex Padilla. But if they can minimize his effectiveness and kind of get him scatterbrained back there, that could go a long way in an Ohio State victory. Yeah, I, I will personally guarantee that Sean Clifford has a better day than Iowa's quarterbacks, and if I'm if I'm wrong about that, that'd be great. Um, but I just don't see that coming to fruition. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is this. I'm I'm nervously excited for this game. This is I think front of the. We've said this a couple of times now, and it hasn't proven true. But I think we know enough about Penn State, both in you know what they've done in the past and what they're doing this season. I think this will be finally a game where we do learn a little bit about Ohio State, at least on the national scale. You know, we talked last week about how there's a lot of comparing Michigan's result against Iowa to Ohio State's. It's going to be the same case here. Michigan looked very, very impressive against Penn State. So if Ohio State struggled in this game, now you're kind of at a, a net neutral between those two teams and what they're going to be. You know, that, that matchup down the stretch that everyone's looking forward to. I think we'll kind of learn a bit on that, but you know, kind of like like we said earlier, Penn State does just always seem to play Ohio State close, so maybe it is another one of those games. But Josh, with, without beating around the bush, let's let's get to our score predictions for this week. I went first last week. We seem to always be pretty much on the same page. So I'm interested to see what you have this week and how it compares to my number. Sure. So uh, one other thing that I will bring up before I give my prediction, I do like the timing of this game for Ohio State. They should not be looking ahead. There's no need, whether it's Iowa or Northwestern, or you flip those two teams. I I don't have it up in front of me right now. It's not like they're going Penn State and Michigan back to back. So they should be solely focused on this one. And I, I think and I hope that Ryan Day will have his guys up for it. As far as a prediction goes, I think it's going to be close. I think the spread is somewhere around 15 points. I think that's what I saw yesterday. I don't think Ohio State covers. Give me 38 to 27 Ohio State in a game that's sort of close throughout. Okay, interesting. We're we're pretty close. I have 
Um, I don't have Ohio State covering either yet. The opening line I saw, uh, at least on DraftKings, was 14.5. I've seen it around 15, like you said. Um, I am pretty close to you. I have 42-28 Ohio State. I think that you know this will be another one of those just Ohio State-Penn State games where it seems like Ohio State is sort of in control for most of the afternoon, but they're just never able to quite pull away. Penn State does some things in this game to make Ohio State you know have to at least punt a couple of times. You know if they're maybe they learn from some of what Iowa did against Ohio State's run game. Um, but like I said, I don't think Penn State's defense is quite of the Hawkeyes' caliber, so I don't know if they'll be able to sort of replicate that. But I think Iowa did at least give some indication of how you could slow down this Ohio State run game. So maybe they're able to do some of that and hold Ohio State too. I mean, holding them to 42 points sounds like ridiculous, but. I think that is with the way this Ohio State offense is. I think 42 points is kind of you know not not a crazy amount to let up, um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be closer than we want it to be. It'll be one of those you know I don't think at any point we'll be like okay this game is over before it's finally over. But I also don't think that Ohio State will be you know in, in real danger of losing once you know the final whistle blows. All I need is a one point victory. I think that I am more nervous for this game than I have been all season, and that includes Notre Dame, especially when you add in the stakes, right? If Ohio State had stumbled against Notre Dame and Notre Dame, whether they were 4-3 and three or 6-1, and one, whatever, um, Ohio State could have recovered from that. And I'm not saying that this is a, a make-or-break game for them, but it, it means a whole hell of a lot, in my opinion. It means a lot in the Big Ten race. It means a lot in the national standings. So... As long as they secure a one-point win, that's really all I care about. And the the track record against James Franklin has been good. You hope that he's not due, but I have to give Penn State credit. I think that they're a solid ball club, and they've rebounded from a couple of difficult seasons. So um, it should definitely be interesting. Yeah, something you just said has has given me some some thought here, and I'm not entirely sure how it works out. But if let's say Ohio State was to lose this game and then go on to beat Michigan. Who would win the Big Ten East? Because they'd all have one loss, but it would all be against each other. I don't know how the tiebreaker in that scenario would work out. Damn you, Gene. I was I, I was thinking this. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I had thought this, and that's not a good sign. That's not a great omen, right? We shouldn't be thinking about that scenario, but I, I honestly have no clue. I I don't know what the tiebreaker is, you know, um, Michigan beat Penn State, Ohio State beat Michigan. Transitive property says Ohio State should be at the top, but if they lost to Penn State, I, that's a great question. You know, I, Maybe somebody can reply and let us know, but hopefully at the end of the day, it's not something we have to worry about. Yeah, it would be nice to not have to worry about it. That is that is true. I was trying to look it up just on my phone as we were recording. I can't. I found the basketball tiebreakers, but not the football, so not entirely sure how that works. If it's like points four or something, that'd probably be good for Ohio State because they've scored a lot of points, but not entirely sure how that would work because like usually it's your you know your in division record is next, and they'd all have the same in division record. They'd all have you know the head to head over each other and go in a circle. So very interesting to to think about, but hopefully it's not something that we have to think about. So um, hopefully yeah. it's not ranking. You know, because if Penn State were to lose to five and beat number two, the aggregate there is, you know, three and a half, whatever it is. Whereas if Ohio State were to beat Michigan and they're still undefeated, maybe they beat the number two team in the country, but they would have lost to number 13. We're going down a dark path, Gene, and it was a a great, valid question, but I'm going to pretend that I didn't hear it so I don't have to think about it all week. Yeah, I'm simply going to pretend that that scenario does not exist, and I'm going to live my life thinking that Ohio State will win this game and that we won't have to worry about it. Yeah, I think that's just about it from us. This should be an exciting game. We're both, you know, nervous about it, but also excited to, you know, play a good opponent. It's, you know, it's always more fun to play a good opponent, even if it is more stressful than it is to play a game that you kind of, you know, you come out there, you roll out, and you know you're going to win by 50. So this should be a fun test for Ohio State. Hopefully they, they pass the test and move on and continue their undefeated season. We will, of course, have all of our usual written content leading up to the game, so be sure to check out all of that over at landgrantholyland.com. Um, be sure to like, rate, view, subscribe, all that good stuff that all the podcasts ask you to do. If you do happen to know the Big Ten tiebreakers, please tweet at us and let us know. Um, and for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks.